How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another season of Bose Football Final here at KHON2.com. And everywhere you listen to podcasts, I'm your host, Rob DeMello. My friends call me Robbie D, and my friend is in the house with us today. Former University of Hawaii player and coach Rich Miano. He is now a Spectrum Sports Analyst and also a KHON2 football analyst. Rich, do you believe that we have made it to game week Rainbow Warrior football happening this Saturday at Fresno State? You know, Rob, it's just a great time. I mean, when you turn on the TV on Saturday and you're seeing college football, then on Sunday, the National Football League. But the one thing was missing was the University of Hawaii to hopefully light up this state and uh, excite everybody from Hilo to Hanalei. Well, man, this is what we've all been waiting for. And obviously, it's been quite the roller coaster to get to this point. We'll try to set it up as best as we can. But, you know, we also don't want to be here for 15 hours going down the memory lane as far as what got us to this point. But when you look at since the University of Hawaii beats BYU in the Hawaii Bowl, the face of Hawaii football is completely different because head coach Nick Rolovich leaves for Washington State. The Rainbow Warriors then tab former Rice, Tulsa, Pittsburgh, Arizona State head coach Todd Graham to take over the program. A couple of weeks later, he has his first recruiting class, and we all start looking forward to spring training camp and the start to the Todd Graham era for the Rainbow Warriors. But the COVID-19 pandemic then cancels spring training camp. There's big question marks moving forward as far as what will happen. You have COVID cases push back the start of actual practice. So Todd Graham goes months and months and months as the head coach without ever having coached these guys on the field. The Mountain West Conference announces that they are suspending the 2020 season only to just have a couple of weeks later, or a few weeks later, an announcement that a modified eight game season in the Mountain West will be played in 2020 starting on October 24th at Fresno State. And here we are game week. How difficult of a situation has this been for you? Because I know for me, I can't go to practices, right? No, no one, no media members can go to practice. We haven't watched this team once work out. We haven't seen the progression of returning players. We haven't seen what newcomers have to bring to the table. And yet here we are preparing for week one against Fresno State. The, the first thing I want to ask you is, what does the University of Hawaii football team look like? What, what, what does a Todd Graham head coached Rainbow Warrior team look like with the offense going run and gun, defense, war dog? What does that all look like, Rich? Well, these, as you mentioned, are uncharted waters. There's never been a, a, a season, whether it's college football, the National Football League or high school football, where you had so much uncertainty. And when you talked about not going to practices, you and I, as well as anyone that's involved at the University of Hawaii football, would go up there on a daily basis, a weekly basis, talk to coaches, talk to players, gather as much information as possible to, so that you could do your job, so that you could uh, feed your passion. And here we are, you know, one week away ostensibly from playing Fresno State, and there's a lot of unknown, but the one thing that is known is Hawaii has had adversity in terms of new coaching staff, no spring football, limited off-season conditioning programs. But the great thing about this season potentially 
is Chevron Cadero, is that offensive line, is receivers that are explosive, is that running backs that are coming back, you know, that almost had a thousand yards. And we can mention the names as we go along. But it seems like if you are a new head coach in a new staff, in a new program, wow, you may have one of the most talented teams in the Mountain West Conference and a team that can immediately compete for a championship. Now, you brought up some of the, the players that are going to be looking to lead the Rainbow Warrior football team to continued success coming off of a West Division championship in the Mountain West Conference, coming off of a 10-win season, coming off of a bowl game victory. But before we get to those players in specific, and we're going to do a positional breakdown with you as we look at what this Rainbow Warrior football team brings to the table here in 2020. Let's talk real quickly about the coaching staff. Kind of similar to what you were a part of in 1999 when June Jones came in, where it's a it's a mix of experience and youth. You have a, a bunch of new faces in regards to the University of Hawaii, but you have a bunch of faces that are familiar with Hawaii. Kim McLeod, to, 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 to name one, Koaka Ai, a Kamehameha graduate, PJ Manaya, guys that are on staff that are that are local boys, uh, Jacob Yoro, former player Abraham Elamimian, two guys who were on the previous staff. But then you have a bunch of new faces in regards to stepping on the island and coaching for the first time, of course, led by head coach Todd Graham. And when you look at Graham and, and his resume, one thing that always jumped out to me was that there are 14 coaches at the college football level currently that are head coaches that come from his coaching tree. What does that tell you about a coach when uh, someone that's relatively young in the head coaching game too? I mean, yes, he's had success, but when you look at the amount of time he's been coaching, I believe it's 12 years as a head coach. He's had 10 bowl eligible seasons and 14 of his former assistants are now head coaches. What does that tell you about the head coach of the Rainbow Warrior football team? Well, it says a lot of things. It says philosophy, you know, in terms of what he believes in and what he preaches and teaches. It says a lot of things when you look at the fact that at Arizona State during that tenure, the players graduated with almost a three point, a little bit over a 3.0 that he cares about people. And when you look at, you talked about the diversity and we always talk about diversity in terms of ethnicity, but there's great age diversity on this staff as well. And when you throw in the local mix and you mentioned a bunch of those guys and I've watched Jacob Euro, Abraham Elamimi, PJ Manaya, Kim McLeod. These are some really good coaches that love the state of Hawaii that can teach aloha and the spirit to these other coaches. And I think that is very important because the fabric of this team will always be the walk-ons, the local boys. And then it's supplemented by great speed at wide receiver and at the defensive back position. And obviously a, a powerful and uh, offensive and defensive line. And, but it all starts with Chevron Cadero. And are we blessed to have a quarterback that competed with Cole McDonald last year, a seventh round draft pick uh, for the Tennessee Titans and a guy that can win a lot of football games for a lot of years. Now, when you talk about the run and gun offense, obviously the, the University of Hawaii has been branded as a run and shoot program, even though Nick Rolovich and Craig Stutzman didn't necessarily run the prototypical run and shoot. It, it was labeled the run and shoot marketing wise because you're at the University of Hawaii. You do throw the ball a lot. You do wide, um, blow things open or, or spread things out, um, but not necessarily the run and shoot. The run and gun now. I think the biggest difference is probably that the run and shoot, or no matter what modification you have of it, 
you have a base and you're always going to have a, a certain look and the route trees are going to look different and what the quarterback's job is going to be for that given play is going to be different. But but you have the look. This is the offense. I think with the run and gun and what Todd Graham has done in the past is that there's going to be a lot more packages in regards to what the offense looks like throughout the game. Do you think that for a novice fan or for someone that's getting used to or getting ready for the University of Hawaii football team's first game, that that's going to be the thing that jumps out the most is that there is going to be a lot of different looks to this offense? Well, let's start off by saying in 12 seasons, uh, Todd Graham's offenses have averaged 36 points. And you mentioned the air raid, you know, and you may see multiple positions in terms of formations. And, and you mentioned it's always good when you can get more people involved in the offense. That's what Boise State has done for years in terms of packaging certain people, short yardage, uh, you know, uh, red zone packages, uh, situational football where you're using multiple formations. And, it, and it's a lot to prepare for in college football. When you think about, you know, G.J. Kinney, the offensive coordinator, along with who's the passing game coordinator? It's Bo Graham. So he's been with his dad throughout all four stops. And then you look at the running game coordinator and you look at all the titles of these guys. So they're serious about having diversity on offense and a balanced type of offense. And I've always loved the run and shoot. And I've been on the other side in terms of coaching that, but at the same time, we've seen what tight ends can do. We've seen what H backs can do. We've seen what various position groups and a lot of motion. And what the word is that I'm hearing is they're going to go fast, which gives you more possessions, which gives you more snaps, which gives you more opportunities. And who likes watching a team break the huddle and wait for that 30 second clock to tick down. I like teams that are up tempo. I like teams that score a lot. I like teams that are, you know, diversified on offense. And I think that's what we're going to get. Yeah, it's very interesting. And like we brought up before, it is crazy to me that this team will hit the field and it's going to be literally the first time we've seen this team since the Hawaii Bowl, being that media is closed off from all practices. You don't have fans there. You, it is crazy. It is a crazy thought. And the same goes for the defense and the War Dog defense, which they talk about that, you know, it, uh, I think at one point Todd Graham explained it as just imagine someone with their hair on fire. That's the defense that they're going to be playing at the university of Hawaii with Victor Santa Cruz as the defensive coordinator, someone that, that you know very well. Yes. And, and you mentioned it. If your hair's on fire, if you're attacking, if you're man dogging, if you're zone blitzing, if you're showing multiple fronts and, and you're bringing it, that's what the people of Hawaii want to see. We can talk all about, you talked about marketing, run and shoot, air raid, all that. The people of Hawaii, the blue collar fan wants to see physical violence, aggressiveness, attacking. Nobody likes bend but don't break type of defenses. They want defenses that give the ball back to the offense. And I think you talk, you listen to Victor Santa Cruz, you listen to Jacob Euro, you listen to Abe Elimimim, and they seem excited about the possibilities of having an attacking style of defense. And I think that could be the key to the success of this year's team. All right. Well, we will see on Saturday against Fresno State on the road, 1.30 p.m. Hawaii time on Spectrum Sports pay-per-view. And we brought it up. We're going to be doing a positional breakdown with you where I'm going to ask you, to give me your biggest question mark for that position. 
and then your boldest statement about that position as we enter 2020. All right. So we'll start off at quarterback. You already brought up Shevin Cordero, the returning starter. And it's funny because not only are we not able to see this team work out, but it's a coach's dream, right? Because they don't want any team to know about what they're working on. They don't want any team to know what personnel is being on the field in certain situations. They don't want teams to know what they're going to look like come game one. And so as a team, whether it's the players, whether it's the coaches, they're not giving out a lot of information. But the one thing that has been constant is that there is an unquestioned leader of this football team. And that is one of the captains of this team, Shevin Cordero, quarterback, returning starter, who, of course, as we all know, split time at Cole McDonald here over the last couple of seasons. But now as a redshirt sophomore, he is the guy to lead this Rainbow Warrior offense. You have backups in Boone Abbott, Justin Nuwahinui, and Kamali'i Akina. Um, you have newcomers in Amani Eden and Jake Farrell. So my question to you is, what is the biggest question mark here for this quarterback room led by Shevin Cordero? Who's the backup? And how many reps is he getting in practice? And you know, I think the biggest concern in an eight-game schedule, you know, a bunch of road trips and, and the physicality of college football in the Mountain West Conference is can Shevin Cadero stay healthy? And if he does, Hawaii's in for some big, good, possibly great things that are gonna happen on this offense. But who is the backup? And you don't know that. I don't know that. And you mentioned it, Rob. This is a coach's dream. Coaches are paranoid. They don't sleep. They think the opponent is filming them at practice. They think there's certain media members that could possibly be talking a little too much about formations and personnel groupings. And and, and you know that Fresno State has all the press clippings. This is about as close to secrecy as you could possibly get and I know Todd Graham's that type of guy. Uh, Bill Belichick talked about what a great college football coach he is. He's from that same school of secrecy. So this has worked to his favor. But the biggest question is, is who is taking the reps at the number two quarterback position? All right. Now, that's the biggest question that Rich Miano has regarding the quarterback room. What's your boldest statement about the QBs? The boldest statement, and you know I was a Cole McDonald fan, and, I, and I've been a fan of the great quarterbacks in Hawaii history, the Colt Brennans, the, um, we saw today uh, Garrett Gabriel. You know, you can go back to Raphael Cherry. You can go back to Mike Stennis. You can go back through history. This young man has a chance because of the fact that he's a redshirt sophomore and he's already had so much experience and he's put up some really good numbers when it's all said and done to be in the same breath as some of the greatest quarterbacks in Hawaii history, because he was the Gatorade state player of the year, because he is elusive and it can extend plays. He is just a nightmare for defensive coordinators because he keeps his eyes downfield, can make all the throws and is probably more accurate than Cole McDonald, but he's hard to get down and he can extend plays. And he always knows where those first down markers are to continue to extend drives. How dare you say Gatorade State Player of the Year without seeing Marcus Mariota Award winner, KHON2 covered two, my man. Come there you on. go, bro. Tua Tonga Bailoa, <laughs> but this Shevin Cadero, we're talking about uh, potentially a great one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, when you look at a quarterback, a lot of his success has to do with the success of his weapons. And so you look at the running backs and you look at the receivers that this University of Hawaii football team has for 
him in 2020. Receiving-wise, Jared Smart is the biggest name to return because you lost Cedric Bird, you lost Jason Matthews Sharsh, you lost JoJo Ward. And so when you look at Smart coming back with 1,100 yards receiving and five touchdowns, a big Hawaii Bowl, he is number one on that list as far as who's coming back. But then you got Melky Stovall and Lincoln Victor, who both had playing time. Nick Mardner, who had playing time, had a big game in the Hawaii Bowl as well. You have a Jonah Pinoke who is finally having his red shirt lifted and he's going to be able to play with his high school quarterback in Chevin Cordero. And then you look at some of the guys that they added. Rico Bussey, who is a Division I transfer. Aaron Cephas, who is a Division I transfer. Dior Scott from, of course, Netflix, Last Chance U fame. So receiving-wise, there, there's a lot there. And then you look at the running backs. Miles Reed is the co-captain of this football team who had a big season last year was able to contribute to almost a thousand yards rushing and eight touchdowns and then you add a Calvin Turner who is someone that's very interesting who's the former dual threat quarterback from Jacksonville who came here he's going to line up at running back but I get a Taysom Hill kind of vibe possibilities with Turner who to me is the most intriguing player on this Rainbow Warrior football team to see what Todd Graham and company are able to do with him. So when you look at the weapons, receivers, running backs, what's your biggest question mark here for this group? Do you have enough footballs? I, <laughs> I am so press, impressed by Jared Smart. I thought he was the best route runner. I thought he had the strongest hands. I thought he was the best guy in the red zone last year. I thought he was the strongest after the catch. And then when you talk about Rico Bussey, when you talk about NFL prospects, this guy is the only guy on the University of Hawaii on some of these lists that I'm seeing in terms of being a next level prospect. And you talked about Jonah Pinocchi, Nick Mardner. You got uh, Melky Stovall. Before he ran into whatever issues he had last year, I thought from an explosive standpoint, maybe the quickest, uh, maybe the most elusive guy that the Rainbow Warriors had last year. So again, Lincoln Victor emerged. You, you know, you talked about some of the, the other local boys and, and even some of the the new guys, you know, Kilohana uh, Hassan Ritter, um, a couple of these other guys. I thought uh, you talked about D.R. Scott, Jonah Pinocchio. You talked about James Phillips. I mean, when you practice with the air raid, you have four guys thrown to four routes. In the game, there's only one ball. These are some talented receivers with a lot of depth. Absolutely. And so that's your biggest question is how, how are you going to be able to to get all these guys involved? So what's your bold statement or it could it be possibly that we're looking at another year of multiple 1000 yard seasons talking about all purpose records being shattered? What's your bold statement there, Richie Rich? My bold statement is going to be this because I didn't even mention Miles Reed topping the century mark this year because I think you're going to see a more versatile running game. I'm also going to be bold enough to say that could it be two or could it be three? And you can go back in the history of the run and shoot wide receivers having 1000 yard, you know, receiving. So there could be two, if not three, I'm not going to say four because I think that would set a record. And only, you know, Robbie, Rob, that <laughs> you're, 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 you're the encyclopedia. You're the memory. You can bring up whether it was Greg Salas and Kayla Polaris or Devon Best in, in some of those guys, uh, Shannon Harris, name the great receiver cores of all time. This has a chance with this quarterback to be a prolific offense. Now, one thing I do want to say is that anyone listening right now, you know, might be saying like, wow, you know, the, 
there's all this positivity that, you know, the, Coach Rich is so impressed with, with the possibilities of this offense. And, you know, and Rob seems to be thinking that, that this is going to happen and that's going to happen. The one thing you got to keep in mind is that in a normal season, right, we're at practice. We are talking to these guys more regularly. We are picking the brains of coaches and players. We are picking the brains of the last guy on the bench to learn a little bit more about the first guy out of the tunnel. We don't have any of that this season. We are being given Zoom media availabilities to UH's discretion, to Coach Graham's discretion as far as who we are talking to. The video we see is handpicked by the coaching staff. Is That is what we're seeing. And so the thing for everyone to keep in mind is that all we know is what we know, and we don't know that much in regards to how all these pieces are going to mold together. Now, in a typical year, you hear what the coaches have to say, you read the stat sheets, you read what you know about these players, you talk to people, but then you see it with your own eyes. You see it in practice, and you're able to take what they say and what you see and be able to make your opinion known in, in regards of what you think is going to happen. There's a big equation missing there to where we haven't seen anything yet. So you can't really dispute any of the things that are being said. And so I do just want to throw that out there that if there seems to be too much positivity in regards to the possibilities of this Rainbow Warrior football team, that has a lot to do with it. And I think that after week one takes place and we're able to actually see this team in action, then some of the thought process and some of the predictions are obviously going to change. One thing, though, that I don't expect to change the thought on is the offensive line, because that is probably the strongest unit of this football team. You got nine guys with starting experience. You got the bookends at tackle in Il Manning, and you got Gene Pryor. You got Solo Vaipulu and Cole Levao at the guard positions, and Taonga Tuulima at the center position. Biggest question mark for the unit that probably has the least amount of questions. Well, biggest question mark is, will you see uh, the young guys Michael like Elitisi. or will yep. you see even a Michael Soliai Howlett? But you'll see a Michael Elitisi at least in that mix, and he started four games last year. Cole Laval is not listed as one of those guys for, as a starter, so they list four coming back. Cole Laval may be the best pro prospect of the group because he's 6'6", 350, and he provides that inside presence, and he's nasty. He's going to go downfield, watch the piles, watch his aggressiveness. This is how you want to train all your offensive line uh, to be have a defensive mentality. But, Rob, going back to what you said just real quickly, I, I sound like the glass is overflowing, that, that they're going to win every single game. We still have to remember – that this is one of maybe 10 teams in, in the NCAA at the Division I level out of 132 FBS teams that has a new coaching staff with all new coordinators that missed spring practice, that had a whole bunch of uh, adversity coming through this COVID thing that we're dealing with right now. Will they click immediately? They wish that they could practice 24 hours a day because all of this takes timing. All of this new jargon and all of these new uh, techniques and, and all the things these coaching staff has taken them. We have to be patient, but 
there is talent on the offensive side of the ball, especially on the offensive line. Absolutely. And just to get this thing moving along a little bit, you know, I'm not going to ask you your bold statement on the offensive line, because I think you kind of touched up on that already with the possibilities of what this offense can do and the future possibilities of someone like Cole Levao. So let's move to defense. And when you look at the defensive backs, uh, probably the unit uh, on the defense that is the strongest based on what you have coming back, because you had youth in previous years that are now leaders of this football team. Eugene Ford, Cortez Davis, Corey Bethley, Donovan Dalton. Those are all guys that we've seen over a number of years produced for this football team, but now they are in leadership roles, especially when you look at Bethley um, being a co-captain uh, along with Eugene Ford here for this Rainbow Warrior football team. So when you take all of that, you add in some of the newcomers, defensive backs, what's your biggest question mark? Biggest question mark will be the other corner opposite Cortez Davis, because I think he has a chance to be a lockdown guy, a shutdown guy. He has the hips. He has the quickness. He's coached well. He competes well at practice and in the game. He had 18 passes broken up last year, which is phenomenal. He has to turn some of those into more interceptions and turnovers. But that being said, it's the other corner opposite of Cortez Davis, because you mentioned Corey Bethley. I mean, I think he had his best game against BYU with the two interceptions, but he is a tackler. He's a guy you can bring down in the box. And then we haven't even mentioned Kai Kanashiro, the versatility of the freshman last year, who's now going to play the nickel, the safety, and you can move him around in a bunch of positions because he can tackle, he can cover, and he can roam back there as well in the two high type of uh, schemes that you might be seeing this year. So, uh, there's a whole bunch of good things. And when you have two captains out of one position group, that tells you a lot about the leadership in that position group and their coach, Abraham Elamemian. Absolutely. Uh, let's move over to the bold statement of this defensive back room. Uh, what do you think it is? The bold statement is, is will you get the ball back to your offense? All of those passes broken up, all of those uh, things that you did from a standpoint of, knocking the ball down, PBUs, they, they, a lot of those need to be INTs. You need to continue to force turnovers because that's what winning defenses do. And that's what the secondary needs to do. All right, moving to the linebacking core now. Uh, obviously, you have Jeremiah Pritchard coming back, Darius Muasau, who as a true freshman turned some heads and being able to step into his role with the loss of Panay Pavihi, who last season, when you look at the 2019 season, the, the day before the first game, um, or really it was the day of the game that it was announced that he was out for the season with a torn ACL, there are many people who thought that was the best defensive player on this football team that they were losing in 2019. And look what they were able to do. You now get him back on this new defense, which is the war dog, which is seems to be at least labeled as a little more aggressive and Panay Pavihi, extremely aggressive player. Uh, you also have Isaiah Tufonga who was a huge recruit coming out of St. Louis, goes to Oregon State, and now he is in this linebacking room for the Rainbow Warriors. So biggest question mark for the linebackers here in 2020? I think you mentioned two of them. One is Panay Pavi. Is he going to be 
uh, version of Jelani Tavai because if he is attacking, if this linebacker core is bringing it, that means he's going to have to be a pass rush. He has long levers, 6'3", 245 pounds. And then I think you also mentioned Isaiah Tufunga, and that was a guy that can play a multitude of positions because of his athleticism. And he's, again, you talk about maybe the hardest-hitting guy on this defense, maybe Jeremiah Pritchard, but Tufunga is going to bring it. Panay is aggressive, and I think Paul Scott is a guy, too, that brings athleticism to this group. And Darius Morsau played like a senior, was a true freshman. I love the fact that this guy is leading the defense and making the calls and, and uh, putting people in the right places. Bold statement for this linebacking core. Does it have anything to do with number 53, Darius Morsau? Yeah, I'm going to say that uh, he's not only going to become a fan favorite, but he's already a coach's favorite because of how intelligent he is. And, you know, he's quicker than he looks. And I think we stereotype him as being more of an inside backer, but I saw him numerous times run sideline to sideline. So I think uh, the bold statement is that Darius Moussao will hopefully become in the same breath as the Jeff Albrechts, the Pisa Tanoi Samoas, the, the really great linebackers that have played the Jelani Tavais in this program. Jeff Olberg, by the way, big ups to him in his first game as defensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. They get a big win over the Minnesota Vikings, uh, snapping a season-starting five-game losing streak. So Jeff Olberg, um definitely making his name known in the National Football League. He has been for quite some time as a linebackers coach, but now getting this opportunity as a defensive coordinator best of luck to him for sure now we talked about the offensive line being the strength of this team I mean is the, the the biggest unit in regards to how many guys are coming back with starting experience of what you can kind of anticipate what what, what this unit is going to look like and what they could bring for this football team now let's talk about the defensive line which might be the biggest question mark for this team and interestingly enough it, that's been the case here over the last probably four or five seasons where can you get pressure on the opposing team's quarterback, something that they extremely lacked last season. The defensive line has some returners in Derek Thomas and Blessman Ta'ala um, playing on the end and at the tackle position respectively. But then you also got younger guys that didn't necessarily get a lot of time in a Mason Vega because of injury. You have a Makai Manuai who played sparingly was able to get in there but who knows how much he developed Andrew Choi same thing where he came in every now and then did he get any better than he was a Justice Tavaya Lemma Kapoy who can now play after transferring from Navy I mean you can go down the list because there's a ton of defensive linemen but what there isn't is defensive linemen that have proven themselves yet so what is your biggest question mark here for the D-line in 2020? You mentioned it Rob you could take my job as the analyst. It's the edge rusher. Will it be Derek Thomas with his hand in the ground? Uh, will it be Jonah Laulu, who at six mm. foot six, 280 pounds? I mean, the athleticism, the first guy should be off the bus is Jonah Laulu. And then, you know, you're going to get some interior rush by Blessman Ta'ala. But if you have to manufacture a rush, rush consistently by bringing the backers it, it leaves the secondary a little naked back there and you can't do that on every down so can they generate a pass rush especially from the edges that seems to be the achilles heel of hawaii defense is recruiting a defensive end that legitimately you know we had a great one last year and i'm uh padello i'm on a padello but he didn't have the length of the levers. He didn't have exactly. the exact physical traits. But if Hawaii ever can find one of those guys, it the best pass defense in the world, Rob, is a pass rush.
So that, that's a question I have about this defense where you talk about the war dog defense, it's aggressive, your hair's on fire, they're going to get after the quarterback. So if you are not able to get that pass rush from the defensive line position, does it almost turn into, hey, this is one of those defenses that might live and die by the sword because if you need to get pressure on that quarterback and you're not getting it from the defensive line, then it's blitz, 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 blitz. And if you feel like your defensive backfield is the strength of your defense, you have all these leaders, two of them are captains. I mean, is that a way to produce that pass rush by just getting after the quarterback, blitzing like crazy and trusting your defensive backfield? Yeah, I think it is. And I think it's a way of you, you, the ability to play man coverage, the ability to have a Cortez Davis that can shut down the opposing team's best receiver. But again, it goes back to who's that number two guy, because he has to do a great job as well, because you're going to be in cover one. And what I mean by that is you have a free safety over the top, but you have an eight man front. Are you going to be in cover zero, which is what I think we're going to see a lot more of from Todd Graham's defense this year, which means now you are man-to-man. If somebody beats you on a quick slant, it goes to the house. So there's going to be situations where it's make or break. And challenging a quarterback in college, especially if he's a non-returning starter in the Mountain West Conference, to beat you in man coverage instead of playing these soft zones and and allowing people to march down the field. I think we're going to see a lot more man coverage. I think we're going to see zero coverage. I think we're going to see zone dogs, man dogs, and we're going to see big plays in terms of sacks and tackles for losses. All right. We shall see out of this University of Hawaii football team. Obviously, there's the specialist. Um, you have Stan Gaudian returning. Wyatt Tucker, the, the long snapper. Gaudian, of course, a punter. You got Adam Stack transferring from Oregon a- after a successful prep career. Kamehameha, Ben Falk, Ka'eo Resentes, Matthew Shipley. Now, obviously, we can't really get too much in this, to the specialist because that is actually a position that – you know, that there's not much background on in regards to what, what are these guys going to be doing? We're not watching them in practice. We're not seeing the competition. They're not telling us what's happening. They're not even saying who's going to be lining up a kick returner and punt returner. So we're going to leave that one. Uh, the, the, the biggest question being, we don't know either. And so we're just going to leave that one as a question mark moving forward. Um, let's talk real quickly about the schedule. Fresno State, obviously, game number one on the road. 1.30 p.m. on Saturday on Spectrum Sports. And then it's another road game at Wyoming. Then you return home on November 7th for your season opener in front of no fans against New Mexico. Then it is at San Diego State, at home against Boise, at home against Nevada, or on the road against, uh, at home against Boise, at home against Nevada. And then a road game, San Jose State, and a home game against UNLV, which would be senior night, but with no eligibility being zapped this year. I don't know if there's a senior night. Like We're going to have to cross that bridge when we get there. But real quickly, looking at the schedule, it's an eight-game conference schedule. There's no divisions this season, so it's the top two teams are going to play in the Mountain West Conference Championship game. So if you were to look at what's the most important pocket of this schedule, is it starting strong on the road, Fresno State, Wyoming, is it making sure that you win the games that you're statistically or on paper supposed to win? Or is it in the middle of that, that, that schedule lineup with the bangers in San Diego State and Boise State? What are your thoughts? Well, obviously, as a former coach, you talk about each and every one as being important and win the first game and focus on all those things and all those cliches. But I, I like how you talked about the early first two games because you're 
basically implementing a new offense, a new defense, uh, a, a new special teams. Um, you've got new a new coaching staff, and all this COVID-related stuff is who has handled it the best. So that's really important, Rob. But when you look at the Mountain West Conference, to me, it's San Diego State and Boise State on a consistent basis that determines whether you are competing for a championship and that you're at a national caliber level of playing as well because those guys consistently compete for championships, send guys to the National Football League, play in postseason bowl games, and they're respectable programs out of this conference. Hawaii needs to show that on a yearly basis, and in order to do that, you got to beat those two teams. All right, real quickly, let's get this thing moving towards the the end of this first episode of Bose Football Final. Uh, We have our Bose Football Final mailbox. And of course, you can find me on Instagram at Rob DeMello, on Twitter at Rob DeMello, K-H-O-N. And you can ask a a question or you can leave a comment that we can hopefully get to here on Bose Football Final. We got three this week just because we're running out of time. So real quickly, Rich Miano. Mailbox question number one, what are your thoughts on Spectrum Sports charging $69.99 per game on pay-per-view, even though fans don't have the option to attend the games? And obviously, want to put a disclaimer out there, both you and I are a part of the Spectrum Sports pay-per-view broadcast. I will be doing the pre-game, halftime, and post-game. You, of course, the color analyst alongside Robert Kekaula for those games. And um, it was announced on Sunday that no fans will be able to attend at Aloha Stadium for home games this season. Uh, $69.99 per game. No package this season because of the up-in-the-air world that we're living in right now where games can be canceled. And then, you know, how do you how do you handle that if you bought an eight-game package or six-game package, but three of the games are canceled or whatever? But uh, just your thoughts on what seems to be the pushback on – there being a pay-per-view for Hawaii fans this season. The one thing about COVID that I think has taught hopefully all of us is that we're in this together. So you would hope a company like Spectrum would be able to reduce uh, their price to make it more available to uh, more people in Hawaii. That being said, it's, it's above my pay grade. But I, I also think that, hey, there's nobody better than the state of Hawaii. Somebody's called the sack. Get the game, the whole neighborhood come over, get your poo-poos, go to Costco, go to some local oh, vendors, but, whatever, but that but watch the game. That's the problem, though, in, in hand is that you can't have more than five people at your house, right? So you can't Ooh, have the point. whole neighborhood over. Wear your mask, socially distance, spread out, but make sure you're taking advantage uh, of watching this team play. And if you can't afford it, I feel for you and uh, wish that we were upper-level management. Absolutely. And I think the one thing I'll say is I've been getting a lot of messages and, and, and some of the messages are saying that they they should, the game should be free. This is ridiculous. I can't go to the game. You're forcing me to buy it on pay-per-view. The, the one thing, and with all due respect that I'll say to that is that, well, if you were going to buy a ticket and you're going to go to the game and buy parking, I mean, this is the alternative is, you know, you're now buying to watch it on television. With that being said, I am with you. I, I would hope that it wouldn't be a normal price given the situation. But again, you and I don't make those calls. And uh, for all of you that are struggling right now through this COVID-19 pandemic, we feel for you. And you never know. Things could change over time or as the season goes on and maybe it becomes more affordable. But um, the one thing that I know that you and I can promise is that we will do our very best to make it worth the $69.99 
in guiding you through these Rainbow Warrior football games. And Rob, just to add to that, I know we're running out, this show's running late, but the thing about you ask yourself as a fan, how can you help this program? You can help by paying the $69 because of this. The program's gonna lose millions of dollars this year based upon not having any fans, the attendance, the ancillary money, all of those things. So if you really wanna help this athletic department, the more money that comes through Spectrum, the more money the University of Hawaii Athletic Department gets and they need every penny to continue to have a successful athletic department. Absolutely. Question number two in our Bose football final mailbox with no Hawaii bowl this season. Should we be concerned that UH won't have a bowl game to play in at the end of the year. And one thing that I will say before we uh, ask you this or give you an opportunity to answer is, is that there are no bowl eligibility issues this season, um, which kind of opens the door for anyone to be invited to bowl games. You could have a, theoretically, you could have an 0-8 team go to a bowl game because um, that certain bowl game feels that that team should be in it or, or whatever it is. So um, are you concerned that with no Hawaii bowl that Hawaii could be left out in the dark, much like we saw in 2001 when there was no Hawaii Bowl after the Aloha Bowl left and the Rainbow Warriors who had multiple top 25 victories. You were a coach on that team, um, including a win over a top five program in BYU, had no bowl game to play in. Yeah, and that's why it's called Made in Hawaii, Played in Hawaii. That's the theme, right? So without that, because of COVID and because of the logistics that we face here in Hawaii, how are we going to travel to another bowl game if we are 8-0, if we are 7-1? and And so these are for-profit institutions, these bowl games, and they're going to take teams that travel the best. And that's why the Hawaii Bowl was made. And it is a travesty that ESPN decided that the Bahamas Bowl and the Hawaii Bowl, out of their 17 bowl games, are the two that are not going to be played this year. Because... That is a great bowl game, and hopefully Hawaii is can be represented in that game. If not, we're going to have to go 8-0, and we're going to have to go to some other bowl game on the mainland, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities. All right, and the last question here on the mailbox, who benefits the most from the NCAA rule that players will keep their eligibility for next season, meaning, and this is crazy, is Chevin Cordero, who we've watched grow up before our eyes, who, who uh, played as a true freshman, um, but was able to keep that season because he only played four years or four games. And then he played as a, a, a redshirt freshman and then now entering his redshirt sophomore season that isn't going to count in the next season. He'll be a sophomore again. I mean, it's crazy um, to think that Chevin Cordero is going to have so much eligibility, um, but who benefits the most? I mean, outside of Chevin Cordero, who can chase some records based on the amount of games that he's been playing? Well, there's a bunch of guys on the offensive line. There's a, there's a couple of linebackers. There's a DB or two uh, that can say, hey, you know, I've done what I can at the University of Hawaii. I am not necessarily going to be drafted that my rating is not that high, but I want to prove that I can play at a Pac-12 school. But at the same time, the University of Hawaii can benefit in the transfer portal because if you played anywhere else in the world, why wouldn't you want to play that fifth year or sixth year that you're talking about here in the great state of Hawaii? It reminds me of David Maeva, Dino Aureliano, some of the guys in the past that I swear played six years, but <laughs> there's an actual possibility of playing six years now without a pencil and without an eraser. Uh, that that's a, that's a, a very valid point. I, I what is it? Tony Tuioti, right? He, I think he was yeah. a doctor by the time he left here because he had so many degrees playing. A, he, he went through every era of UH football. He played for yes. everybody. Was he? Did he play for Wagner and Von Oppen or? <laughs> When, when you ask people, did you overlap? Most of them overlapped with Tony Tuioti. I, I swear, <laughs> yeah. seven years. 
Well, Bo's football final is back. That is the clear-cut sign that Rainbow Warrior football is back. Every Monday at KHON2.com and everywhere you listen to podcasts, you can catch us. And obviously, as the season goes on, the, the show is going to change a little bit because we'll actually have something to talk about in regards to what we saw with our own two eyes, which is different than what we talked about today. And it's all speculation because we haven't been at practice. But all I know is that it is exciting times because... As the old saying goes, you don't know how much you love something until you lost it. And we all lost Rainbow Warrior football. For the Bows to be back playing Saturday at 1.30 Hawaii time at Fresno State on Spectrum Sports, I think it's an awesome thing for the state. It's an awesome thing for fans, for players, for this coaching staff. And uh, it's really exciting to be back, isn't it, Rich? Yeah, and, and for everybody, stay safe out there. Uh, enjoy this Rainbow Warrior football team. Feel blessed that we live in this beautiful place where we have so much recreation that we can do and watch a good college football program and hopefully a good University of Hawaii athletic program throughout the year because it was almost taken away from us and it hurt. All right, show number one in the books. In the books, Bose football final for Rich Miano. I'm Rob DeMello. Make sure to follow us, subscribe on all those media platforms in regards to where you download your podcast. Go to Spotify and find us. And then, of course, download the KHON2 mobile app. We will let you know every time a new episode of Bose football final is posted. But we will see you on Saturday, Fresno State, Hawaii, in the Valley on Spectrum Sports. For Rich Miano, I'm Rob DeMello. Have a good one, everyone. Aloha.